Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is Wednesday Q&A, where I ask you to send me questions either on Instagram or on my email at laura at movementbylara.com. I have a lot of questions, so I will breeze through some of them and try and hit as many as possible. This first one is from da, 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 Phil W2474. He is looking for good poses as an active recovery for cycling. So cycling like running is a repetitive activity that involves hip and knee flexion. And anytime you do a repetitive activity, you need to balance that with something in a, in a moving in a different way. So one way to move differently is to move laterally. So I really always recommend people that are running or biking a lot uh, to start incorporating side lunges into their regular routine. Uh, also some, I don't want to call them static holds, but holding a low lunge with the knee on the ground. So for instance, if your left foot was forward, your right knee would be on the ground, have an upright spine, hold your abdominals in so that you're opening the right front of the hip, which is going to be an area of restriction because you're constantly flexing it. So doing some kind of hold like that in a low lunge is really helpful. So for Phil, I would say do this as a recovery. Come into that low lunge position with your left leg forward, your right knee on the ground. Abdominals are working. Hold that for five to 10 breaths. Reach your arms up overhead so you can get some upward lift too. It's like you're trying to unstuff the hip, that's got, uh, the tissues around it. Then turn right 
so that your feet are parallel and then bend the right knee. So that's the side lunge and go back, back and forth a few times. Right knee will bend, left knee will bend, making sure that your spine stays long. Because if you are cycling, another big thing I've seen in cyclists is a, a lot of tightness in the back fascial line. And the and all of the back, so you've been you're in a rounded position over your bike, and that tissue gets shortened. So keep the spine extended when you're doing these side lunges, because that in itself will be challenging and will kind of undo some of the stuff that cycling does. So doing some of the side lunges, and then I would return back to that left foot in front and add a twisted crescent. So the right hand would stay on the floor, and the left arm reaches up. Things like that, do that over and over again because what you're doing there is you're opening up your the front of your right hip. You're working in a, a lateral way for those side lunges and keeping the spine extended to counter the flexion flex plate, place it's in with running. And then when you add the, the spinal twist and a twisted crescent, you're mobilizing the ribs, mobilizing the tissue around the ribs and the spine opening up the chest wall, because again, that gets really tight from, from biking. If you did that five minutes on one side, five minutes on the other side, that would be incredibly helpful and be, would be a nice recovery from cycling. Because I'm imagining if you're saying recovery, you're not looking for a long um, movement practice, but something that would be a little bit of an antidote uh, or a balancing movement practice for your cycling. So that's good. Hope that helps, Phil. One happy yogi asked me, do you ever get burnt out with mobility practice and how do you keep yourself inspired? Well, first of all, one happy yogi, I would say that I never get burnt out because um, I'm thinking like, I don't really, I don't think of it as a movement practice, a mobility practice per se. What I think of it is, is it is, uh, I'm, we're constantly checking in with the machine of our body and the machine of our body is driven by the machine of our brain. And I don't mean that like without emotion because emotions are then layered into that and all of that. But those two areas, the brain and the body and how they're um, interlinked, every single day we should be checking in with that. And that's what keeps us fresh and that's what keeps me inspired and creative. So I don't just think of like a mobility practice sounds kind of like a checklist, like, okay, move the shoulders, move the hips. <laughs> move your neck. You know what I mean? Like I don't do that. What I do is I move in complex patterns where there's um, both mobility needed, especially in the big synovial joints, like the hips and shoulders and core integration is required. So there's so many things that can be done in that way. I mean, we could never really count the, the patterns of movement that we could do. So I find that I'm inspired because I just move my body and see what feels good, knowing that probably everyone needs more mobility in their hips and more core integration. Like like in PT, we call it stiffened core, like keeping the core really, really engaged and not losing energy out through the core. So I hope that helps. Don't, don't, don't do any practice that is uninspiring. So if you're doing a mobility practice just because you were told to do that, I would say, how can you make it more interesting for yourself? So don't just like go through, I know functional, um, there's functional movement, what's it called? Functional range conditioning or something like that. And that's fine if you're into that. Some people love the prescriptive type quality of that. 
But if you, it sounds like you're, you're not into that. So make it something different for yourself. Another person asked me and her name or his name, Hoop Nas, asked me Ashtanga, Iyengar, Hatha, Vinyasa, which one? Well, I would say, I don't know, which one, which one do you like? (laughs) I mean, this is the thing, people, Um, do what feels great for you. And some people fall in love with Ashtanga or Iyengar, and then they eventually go down a different path. And I would say for me, I'm not into either one of those. I've practiced Ashtanga. I've practiced Iyengar. I found them restrictive, rigid, and not well-rounded, full-bodied, so to speak, in terms of movement and many other things. So I'm not a fan of those in terms of practicing that every day, but there are people that love it. So you've got to pick what's right for you. I have a vinyasa practice, which is movement and incorporating my sensibility from physical therapy, core integration, and, and I try and make it fun and interesting. The thing about Ashtanga, some people love it because it's repetitive. There's a lot of value in repetition in, in improving something. I do a lot of repetition as well, but I don't do the same repetition every time like they do in Ashtanga. So pick what, what uh, sings for you. Make, makes your spirit happy. Lindsay, Lindsay versus the world. Okay, Lindsay asked me, why is yogi squat or malasana so hard for me? The lower I go, the more my feet turn out. Well, you, first of all, I don't love malasana for, um, I mean, I can do it. It feels pretty good for me and all that. But what I notice in a, in a group class setting, it's just people will do the pose. They will execute the attempt of the pose in whatever way they're talking about. Like it was, you're saying, maybe your knees are dropping out or your knees are dropping in or your chest is pushing forward or you're rounding your chest. There's a variety of ways. I would say don't go so low. So I do something what's called Mary Malasana. And I realized because of my Southern accent, many people actually thought it like was Mary the name. It's like Mary as in happy, M-E-R-R-Y. It's a happy pose. So think of this, come into like a, a feeder parallel wider than hip distance apart. Turn the toes out to the degree that your hips allow. And then sit your butt back without rounding your spine at all and bring your hands under your shoulders. So the hands are going to be forward quite a bit and almost imagine like almost like a down dog position for the hands. You could be on blocks or whatever and the hips are high. That is actually going to give you the hip mobility that that Malasana is trying to give you without losing the integrity of the hip joint and the pelvis. So I hope that helps. But the reason everybody's hips are different so your hips might not in, be able to go that low without your feet really, really wide or your knees dropping in. Next question, Amy Bott. Any tips for healing coccyx pain from childbirth? So I got a couple of childbirth um, and childbearing, like after, after prenatal, postnatal questions about pelvic floor and the coccyx. So the coccyx is, is a tailbone. There are pelvic floor muscles that run from the pubic bone to the coccyx and from the ischium to the coccyx and whatnot. There's, there's, so there's muscles of the pelvic floor. So when the coccyx is um, injured in the birthing process, which is not an unusual thing, it gets pushed aside or (laughs) something happens to it. It, the, The best thing to do is work on a neutral pelvis and work on cultivating the 
connection to your pelvic floor in a deeper way. So for the coccyx in particular, I would say focus on when you're lying on your back with your knees bent and in a neutral pelvis, can you lightly squeeze the area between the coccyx and the pubic bone together? That might not actually render any movement, but the feeling of that internal hug of the pelvic floor can perhaps help the the coccyx. Doing more than that sometimes, especially after birth, when it has been damaged in some way, might make it not feel great. So you want to work really slowly to start integrating those muscles back again. So the pelvic floor is a set of muscles that are at the base of the pelvis and that inevitably get stretched out a little bit, almost like a trampoline um, that loses some of the spring when you have the weight of the baby, the uterus growing and all that. That is, there's an elasticity to it. There's muscular um, components to it. So it can return. You have to focus and work on it. And there's this sense of either dialing up and upregulating the nervous system to get the pelvic floor tuned in and holding. And then there's also people who overly do that and and create a different type of pelvic floor dysfunction. And you need to downregulate so that you're not overly gripping. So the other thing I would add for anybody that is having pelvic floor issues is that there are physical therapists who specialize in this. And I would highly recommend going to a pelvic floor physical therapist. You won't even need to go necessarily that many times, but the information you could get would be so valuable. And why wait, you know, um, go sooner than later so that you can start the rehabilitation of the pelvic floor muscles after birth. Okay, next question. This one, actually several people asked this, um, but this, I'm just going to name this person if I can read it. Sudi4611. Ask me if, if I was an SJD... <laughs> That's a James D. Um, something SJD from Duke. And so you're so proud and inspired by me. Am I that? I think the person's asking me if I was an SJD scholarship recipient. That's some kind of, I thought it was James B. Duke, but SJD must be some other. Uh, we went to Duke University and that is a scholarship. I am not that, but I'm glad your friend thinks I am. So let's continue that rumor. <laughs> Sounds good though. All right. <laughs> Next question. Let's see. Could you please talk about seated forward bend? This is from MS Yoga. Well, I have an entire podcast about it, so I'm going to reference that. I wish I had the number with me, um, but look, scroll through or, or look for the tag for seated forward fold because I do talk about it. Very quickly, what I'll say is, is it a terrible thing? No, I'm not saying it's a terrible thing. It is redundant because if you're doing vinyasa and you're doing a lot of forward folding, you're already getting a lot of that in and it's superior in my mind to do forward folding when you have weight bearing through your feet because the energy you get from the floor is called ground reaction force and it creates a safety not safety for the ligaments at the joints but also it um, it stimulates the muscles around the bones so that when in, whenever you are working from that position it, it's more functional and it's going to have a, a longer lasting impact Seated fold or fold, you're just going to fold usually where you can, and that's often in the back itself. Maybe maybe you'll tilt the pelvis, and then you're just going to pull on the one area that usually you don't need to pull on, which is typically around the lumbosacral area. But check out the forward fold 
podcast for more on that. All right. Brioni Campion asked me, I have a hypermobile friend who struggles with balance. Are they related? Absolutely, they're related. Here's why. When you're hypermobile, so there's a lot of things that go into movement. And movement is directed by the brain. The brain has all these different systems in place that help you move and that help you control movement. So in many ways, what I say, and this is like an ex, this is like a preview if you ever come to a training for, with me, is our, our job in a lot of ways as educators is to teach people how to control the unwanted movement. So we often in yoga work toward getting movement and at any cost. And for most of us, but really a lot with hypermobile people, they need to control the unwanted movement. So when someone is trying to balance and they're hypermobile, the brain is not giving the signals of feedback, proprioceptive feedback. There's, there's receptors in your ligaments, they're in your joints, they're in their muscles and the tendons that are constantly having this dialogue with the brain where you are in space. You step on something, like you step on a pebble when you're walking down a hill hiking and your knee twists a little bit and you have a response to that. So hypermobile people in many ways don't have that same responsiveness and that's a problem because things have been overstretched and like those are the people who are like laying in a straddle split on the floor and they're like, I don't feel anything. (laughs) And everybody's jealous of that. And all I can say is don't be jealous of that because we want feedback. That's a great thing. Think about having doing anything in life and not being able to get feedback. Uh, you you make changes and shifts and accommodations and take little detours and all that because of the feedback we get, whether it's from behavior or movement or whatever. And people that have hypermobility are not getting that same amount of feedback. They have to work for it. They have to really work for it. So yes, if she's having a hard time balancing, there's no wonder. She's got to work for um, it, into getting a lot of strength and st- stability and not going into in range and then getting her hands on her body and giving like poking poking and tapping and getting all this feedback that she's the brain is not um creating in the same with the same speed but with somebody who's much more limited so somebody that's really not very flexible the good thing is they're just getting a lot of feedback okay so let's take a few more questions hypermobility there's a lot to say about that All right. So Carol Bone asked me, how do you feel about kettlebells and weight training? Great. If you, here, here's the thing again. If you like it, do it. You don't need my permission. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, But if you like it, yeah, weight training is great. I mean, it's just adding more load. Do you need, I think kettlebells are actually probably the best form of weight training, but you could convince me otherwise. I don't know enough about the different types of weight training. I'll have to ask Greg, the cameraman, next time he's around because he he lifts weights. But I think kettlebells are wonderful because they're not. You don't have to go to major load, but the way the the weight is distributed, it's so consolidated uh, that you can lift it, but it and and swing the you know swing the arms or use it as a static position or something. But you don't have to go into the huge ranges with a bar and all that because when you lift with a bar, you're adding that weight. So I think if you perform a functional movement and you add kettlebells, that's awesome. Like a deadlift or a one-legged squat or something like that. 
So yeah, do it. Uh, I think that's great. It's great for building strength. Uh, you just want to do, whenever you're adding it, you want to add on incrementally so that you're not overloading your system or your, your joints don't have enough time to adapt. Let's do one more question. There's so many good ones here. I'm going to, I like to just do it. I barely, I look at them a little bit ahead of time, but I actually think it's better to kind of do it on the fly. Is there a resource to find lit certified teachers? Several of you asked this. I'd love to practice your method in a studio. This was by Look, Looky Sharp. Yes, we have a resource. It is not yet available to you, but we have developed it for the past year. Pretty robust directory that you can go on and find lit certified teachers. You can find lit certified studios. You can find, and it can be based on the teacher. It can be based on location, country, studio, and all of that. And that is coming. So I'm I'm really hoping that uh, you'll be patient. It should be done very, very soon. I would say by the end of the year. And I'm saying this and you know, we have about a month more. So stay tuned for that because that's a great way you can you can take my classes online, my lit daily classes. There's we have a huge library of anatomy-based classes and other forms of classes there. But um, to take in person, it's nice to know that somebody has done this training and has the same philosophy and sensibility. So that'll be there for you. So keep sending me questions, Lara at movementbylara.com. And we will be doing a Q&A Wednesday, every single Wednesday. As always, pulling for you, sending you lots of love. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.